This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. Listening to the Giving Thought podcast. This is the podcast from CAF's think tank, Giving Thought, in which we look at big issues and themes relating to philanthropy and civil society. I'm your host, as ever, Rod Davis, and this is the second in our mini series on European philanthropy during and after COVID 19. Uh, and this time we're talking to James McGowan uh, from the European Community Foundation Initiative. Um, and I had an interesting chat with James. Uh, we talked all about, well, community foundations, as you might expect, um, but about kind of how the community foundation movement uh, has evolved in Europe in the sort of different contexts across Europe, how that sort of reflects some of those different contexts uh, and whether it's sort of built on existing things that were there or would come in to fill a gap that that was very much there in the market and needed filling. Um, we talked about the what community foundations specifically have been doing um, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic um, and the way in which many of them have become more prominent perhaps as uh, the sort of need to distribute resources at a local level has seen them uh, being turned to in many places as a kind of partner for government and others. Um, we talked uh, about whether that recognition of their instrumental or transactional value potentially kind of uh, had knock-on implications for their broader role in terms of advocacy or, or playing a role as kind of community leadership organisations. Um, we talked about infrastructure. Again, that's another sort of theme of this series that we're trying to cover is what is the specific value of, of infrastructure in philanthropy? What are the elements of infrastructure? And uh, in the, the environment post-COVID, is there a new case to be made for the importance of infrastructure and the need to support it longer term? So James and I talked about that in the context of community foundations and their role as elements of infrastructure, but also the kind of wider infrastructure that organisations like that need in order to um, to thrive and, and to prosper. So without further ado, let's go into the conversation um, and I will be back at the end for the usual bit of housekeeping and tidying up. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm here with James McGowan. Hi, James. Hi, Rodri. Uh, and James is the coordinating director of ECFI, which is the European Community Foundation uh, Initiative. Um, thanks very much for finding some time to come on the podcast. Um, I guess the, the best starting point maybe is for you to say a bit uh, in your own words about what ECFI is and kind of what it does and how it fits into the, the picture of European philanthropy. Um, and also kind of how you came to, to these issues around philanthropy um, uh, as a start. Sure, sure. Uh, well, th thanks for having me, R Rodri. Uh, let, let me tell you a little bit about it, about ECFI. Um, European Community Foundation Initiative, it's uh, fairly young. It was uh, start, started um, uh, only in 2016. Uh, and it's an initiative uh, that's actually hosted by the German Association of uh, Foundations, the uh, Bundesverband Deutsche Stiftungen which is the equivalent of ACF in, in the UK. And it in partnership with the uh, Slovakian uh, Philanthropy Forum 
uh, took the initiative uh, to, to establish uh, ECFI. Um, uh, partly because the German Association hosts the equivalent of UKCF, it hosts, hosts the Alliance for uh, Community Foundations in, in Germany, which is uh, the, the biggest movement in, in, in Europe. Uh, and ECFI has a very simple, broad objective, which is to develop and strengthen the community foundation uh, movement across Europe. Uh, and we do that really sort of through three main areas of work, um, primarily building knowledge and capability within the field. Um, and that's around you know, good practice. It's about facilitating peer learning, uh, exchanges between community foundations, thematic meetings. Um, we have a knowledge hub on our, on our website um, and where we're, we support uh, research within the field. We have an interesting initiative at the moment around called the, the Learning Lab for, for Change Makers. So we're, we're, we're generally like a knowledge center in, 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 in that way. But we also do research and analysis within the field to develop a better understanding of the field so that that's known with both within and outside of the, the field. And we act very much then as a sort of communicator and, and a connector uh, between community foundations, between the support organizations that are active uh, around Europe and between them and, and others involved in philanthropy. So for example, through the PECs, uh, community, which is the sort of network of networks uh, uh, around around Europe, and we work directly with community foundations. But importantly, we also work with the supporting infrastructure for community foundations, uh, with the equivalent of UKCF uh, across Europe. Some of which are membership bodies, some of which are wider. Uh, civil society support organisations, and we see them as very critical. Uh, interlocutors. Um, and you asked as well, like, how, how did I get involved in this? Well, it was uh, a bit of a sort of uh, circuitous route, I guess, but I've kind of come home again. Um, uh, I work also part time with with uh, ACF and used to used to work with uh, Daphne, uh, the European uh, network. And um, through that, uh, uh, had connections with with uh, ECFI as uh, as an initiative, um, and uh, moved across in in into the role with 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 ECFI a few years ago. Um, but it brings me back to sort of my original work within uh, the philanthropy field, which goes back to the nineties when I when I worked with the Community Foundation for Northern Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, I mean, it's a fascinating example of a, of a community foundation and the role it plays, which, which I guess raises um, another question I wanted to, to ask you, which is, you know, for people listening who aren't necessarily aware of community foundations as an idea or as a movement, they might not really sort of know that they're, I mean, they're kind of local grant makers and, and sort of donor donor services organizations or community hubs. I mean, they do all sorts of different things and there are different balances in each one. But but they are all quite um, sort of independent and often quite individual, in, in many cases unique. In terms of trying to kind of take an overview of community foundations at a European level, does that present challenges? I mean, is it hard to see them as a coherent whole or do you, do you find that actually there, there are more similarities than differences? 
Yes, it's a it's a it's a good point. Um, it's it's absolutely true. When you've seen one community foundation, you've absolutely seen only one community foundation. The diversity is 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 huge uh, in in the field. Um, you know, even even within the UK, there's there's uh, extraordinary diversity between between the forty six that, that exist within the UK. But just just let me give you a little bit of a background to sort of the. The landscape around Europe to give you some sense of, of the, the richness of, of the diversity and indeed the challenge that that presents in terms of trying to um, develop it as a, as a movement and where we find the, the coherence. Um, I mean, if you think about how, how it evolved uh, around Europe, they, really it started in, in the UK in the 70s. Um, uh, Northern Ireland being one of the first, I think Wiltshire in, in England was 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 one of the first there, and uh, the 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 field developed uh, within the UK over over um, you know a period of some sort of ten to twenty years up to um, you know mature level where now uh, almost the entire geography of the UK is covered by by a community foundation. Um, and that was very much the sort of the, let's say, the imported model from 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 the states. Uh, I, I think primarily as a, as a starting point for for most. But around Europe, it it really sort of had had slightly different origins. Um, and the second wave of development only really occurred in in the nineties. Um, uh, and we saw community foundations emerge uh, in in other countries in in, in Germany. Uh, and and further into Central and Eastern Europe, and community foundations, um, uh, as you go further east, are, are very much more about civic participation, civic civil society engagement, um, which uh, is is uh, quite interesting because it, it 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 does come back to the point you made you made there about the um, range of activities of of community foundations. You know, yes, they are grant makers. They are um, institutions that have relationships with, with with donors, but equally they are very much connected into their communities and they engage people in in activities, whether it's through volunteering or implementing programs themselves. Uh, and and that's uh, that varies, uh, you know, from one community foundation to the next. It also varies um, uh, more so from country to country. Uh, and of the well, 800 or so community foundations that there are across now 27 countries in in Europe. There's this like huge variety of scale and form that uh, operate from um, uh, regional level like Northern Ireland and Scotland down to in Germany where there's a huge proliferation of community foundations, over 400 in Germany, some of them operating um, effectively at village level. Um, and that that does definitely present a, a challenge in in terms of of trying to present some sort of coherence in relation to uh, what one might call a, a, a movement. Um, but we we don't want to get overly caught up in in definitions, uh, and rather we we look at more at the sort of the characteristics uh, of community foundations and what they do. And the essential characteristics uh, uh, that distinguishes community foundations as opposed to other uh, types of, of foundation is their uh, area focus, their, their local area focus. 
Um, and, and that's a very, very important uh, aspect of it. And the fact that they are uh, organized, that they are institutional, that there's a structure behind it um, and that they have their, this in, independence. Um, uh, generally, they're, they're cause neutral and they, they uh, can address a broad range of issues that, that impact um, on, on, on the area. So in terms of a, a, the coherence, the, uh, for, for us, in, in a way, we, we celebrate the richness of the diversity of the, the, the movement. And, and that is, is the coherent uh, aspect for, for us, is, is, to, is actually to, to utilize um, the diverse experiences that each one experiences in its own context. Yeah, no, absolutely. On on your point there about the you know the way in which they they've evolved very differently and taken different forms ac across all of the different um, countries in which they operate, um, which is absolutely um, kind of understandable and, and unsurprising. Are there places where community foundations have more sort of evolved from existing institutions that were already there filling that kind of role of local convening and coordination um, and are there other places where that was a definite gap in the market and, and something had to be created almost from scratch? Absolutely varies uh, place to place. Um, uh, some have an, evolved out of uh, existing entities, whether whether that be um, a civil society or charitable uh, or organisation. Um, for example, some of the in rural areas uh, leader groups that that type of thing, local area based strategy organisations have have uh, uh, seen the need then for sustainability to continue what they're doing in terms of area-based approaches and engagement of, of, uh, of local people, that there would be value in then uh, supporting that um, with um, the, the financial mechanisms that, that a community foundation offers rather than just uh, channeling, uh, as had been the case then with leader groups, uh, pub public, public monies. So community foundations have, have emerged from that. Um, it's always difficult. Difficult to, to, to make the transition, particularly sort of the governance transition from something that has been, uh, say, public sector driven uh, to, to uh, make that shift across into being entirely in, independent. Uh, so, so that does, does present some, some challenges. Um, others have emerged uh, as uh, completely uh, you know, new new entities. From my experience in 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 Northern Ireland, and and, and this is an important point. There often has to be a catalyst, really, to to make the case for why create this uh, this institution of a community foundation. In Northern Ireland, it was in the seventies. It, it was the conflict. Uh, and there was a need for uh, one, an independent body, a non-governmental uh, uh, organization to, to work, which could reach deep into communities and do the sort of things uh, that, that government agencies couldn't in, in, in the midst of the, the conflict. And to do that with um, participation of uh, both communities in Northern Ireland, Protestant and, and Catholics or um, 
nationalist and unionist communities there. And so it definitely filled uh, uh, an important void there, could play a role in peace building that uh, the, certainly the private sector couldn't and, and the public sector uh, couldn't. Um, and uh, others, others have, uh, have really found their, their feet at times of crisis. And I think of um, a community foundation like Cumbria, it, it, it took a foot and mouth outbreak, it took flooding uh, really for uh, the community foundation to come into its own as, as, a, as a local actor that was able to address uh, issues that were pertinent to, to, to that area. Um, and, and as we experience now, and as I've seen over the years, you know, knowledge of, of uh, my experience from, from, from Northern Ireland, um, this doesn't happen overnight. Um, the, the establishment of community foundation takes years. It, in fact, it, takes, it really takes decades because it, it involves building trusted relationships. Um, community foundations are not just about transactions. They're not just about um, uh, channeling resources from donor to, to a beneficiary acting as an intermediary in, a, in that transactional uh, uh, way. They, they are about building um, relationships between um, those who have the capacity to, to give, and that can be private donors, but it also can be other foundations. It can be um, uh, public bodies. Um, uh, and importantly, adding value to, to that transaction through the local knowledge, through the connections that that, that they have through leverage of other resources, through combining resources in a way that can, uh, can approach issues strategically. And that, uh, and that, and that takes, takes time. It takes time to build those trusted relationships, both with the, the donors and within uh, local communities. So in, in Central and Eastern Europe, that is a real challenge because they're coming from um, a, a place, uh, you know, in, in post-communism now, coming from a place where uh, one, there wasn't a culture of giving, and secondly, there was a mistrust in in institutions, and the role of thirdly, the the role of civil society was just not uh, recognised. So, trying to combine all of those three together through something like a community foundation, again, it it, it offers a a very uh, useful solution, but will take uh, time to to build and to to uh, really uh, become effective. And on your point there about um, there often needing to be something that acts as a catalyst for the development of community, a specific community foundation or people sort of wider public awareness of it. It's a really interesting moment in time to be thinking about that because obviously we're all kind of going through this huge shared moment of of crisis. So I was interested in your take on how that has affected community foundations across Europe because it, it certainly seems in lots of places I'm aware of community foundations have been quite prominent in terms of coordinating local responses to to the, the needs presented by covid i mean is that that your sense of it and and how have you seen your your members and the organizations you work with responding and adapting yeah without without doubt um uh, the the pandemic uh, the coronavirus pandemic has um created a you know an extraordinary situation and and certainly thrust community foundations in into the limelight uh, it's uh, um 
I, I, I sense it's, it's been absolutely a pivotal moment for community foundations. They, it's, uh, they've been able to, to demonstrate how they can act quickly, how they are connected to their local communities uh, very well. Their knowledge of the, the needs locally um, has been really invaluable in, in this situation. I mean, it was interesting to hear in, in previous uh, podcasts uh, how uh, philanthropists, big donors like um, the parents with the Indigo Trust, you know, when they acted quickly, they, they immediately thought of community foundation, not only through the National Emergencies Trust, but directly to their local community foundation. Um, and, and, and others have recently listened to, to Matthew and, and Kath uh, there from, from the Beacon uh, Collaborative, also talking about community foundations. So, so you hear, I mean, I'm very pleased to hear it, you hear much more about the, the, the role of community foundations during, during this time, uh, and particularly in the UK because of this role that they've had to play as a, a distributor for, for the National Emergencies uh, Trust. Um, and that has, that has been the case elsewhere in Europe. Community foundations have stepped up in various ways. Uh, and again, depending on context and depending on, on capacity, uh, some have engaged in uh, fundraising, some have been able to um, uh, receive and distribute funds on behalf of other donors. Uh, others have been very proactive themselves um, as civil society organizations in coordinating volunteering, in being the direct deliverers of, of, of a response. Um, uh, others have, have uh, established platforms uh, uh, that that connect uh, donors to to need within in their local area. Um, so so whilst they, they you know they, they they have been able to step step up and have a very critical role to play because I think coronavirus has has been a, a, it's, it's, you know its impact has been so so local and so universal, uh, and that that that's that's where a community foundation actually comes into its own because. It is the local interlocutor uh, in in that in that broader picture and has a has a uh, an important role to play with this sort of knowledge and experience that, that it has uh, on the ground. Having said that, I think equally it has seriously tested the resilience of of community foundations because, like everybody else, they're trying to do this whilst having to completely dismantle their normal mode of operation and people work uh, work from home and to be able to do you know all of the back end work that goes with that sort of fund distribution is is not not easy but they've they've proven that uh, that, that, that they can do it my slight concern is that um the the volume of resources that are that is going through uh, community foundations at, at the moment kind of um, uh, puts them into this transactional role. I mean, I think I'm right in saying that, uh, and the terminology is is there, They uh, community foundations in the UK are seen as national emergency trust distributors. Uh, and I think that completely undervalues what the community foundation actually does. Uh, they They add 
enormous value to that resource. Uh, they added through their connections. They, they added through indeed their own financial resources, their human resources, their knowledge of, of their, their local communities. And um, there's a huge cost in, in that role of distribution that, uh, that I think goes uh, un, unrecognized. Um, and and could take its toll. I mean, I think I think the community foundation in, in movement in the UK is resilient enough, but elsewhere in Europe, look at a country like uh, Slovakia, where there's a small number of community foundations. Uh, most have very very uh, uh, light touch uh, staff staffing. Rely a lot on volunteers. Um, they 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 are pinned to the collar with with uh, with this with this current work um, and if that becomes the the norm for them or or worse has a negative impact on on the organization it it actually could could potentially set them back on the other hand if they can it's it's like a tipping point it, it if on the other hand it helps them prove the value that they can add the, the uh, appropriateness of their role as a local actor, how they um, you know, step into almost a civic leadership function, well, then it could be the making of them as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a sort of fundamental question there about the what the value of community foundations is and more broadly the value of infrastructure in the world of philanthropy that I want to come come back to. And um, just the, the other thing I wanted to ask as you were talking there really it, it hits on a question that I that I wanted to bring up, which was you were talking about actually there being sort of challenges in terms of having prominence in, in crisis response, particularly because it shifts towards a more transactional view of community foundations or other organizations as delivery agents and actually the need to step up the scale of that can present real challenges and I was thinking as you were talking of what's happened in the US with uh, organizations like the Minnesota Freedom Fund where you know following all the events around the uh, George Floyd killing and Black Lives Matter movement they've seen a massive upshift in terms of people giving to them but then actually it's so much money that the systems that they had set up to distribute it very quickly became overwhelmed. And then you get issues with people thinking that their money isn't going to the thing that they thought it was going to, and you get disillusionment. Do, do you have, is this something, a challenge that you've seen face any community foundations where they've all of a sudden found themselves having to deal with much larger amounts of money to move than they did before? Or do you think actually they can present themselves as a solution to those sorts of challenges because they, they provide kind of trustworthy infrastructure that in times of crisis can avoid some of those problems. Yeah, I think uh, they, they, can, they can do the latter. They, they, they can demonstrate that, that by having the infrastructure that they can manage this uh, in, in a way. And that, that's, that's where they, 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 they show the value of the, the institution um, that, that they uh, can look can look at something in terms uh, with with a longer term perspective. Let's let's say so. Uh, with with uh, coronavirus, um, immediately community foundations saw yes response, and of course were able to be indeed first responders and very very quick. I think it was um, you know within within a week or so, resources were able to to be. To, 
de deployed. Um, but they they also very quickly saw um, a, a longer term need. So 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 many even in the uh, the early days, they, it wasn't just a response fund. It was a response and recovery or response recovery resilience fund. So so they they saw yes, there was an immediate need, but they also saw this is going to have a longer impact on our community. It's going to have a longer impact on the voluntary and community sector in in our area and we we um you know need to avoid just uh, moving from one crisis to to the next based on this uh, appeal and this large uh, inflow of money that, that that would be coming particularly with with in the uk with the national emergencies trust so i think they've they've been able to prove that they can they can manage that and and take this broader view and see the interconnectedness uh, of of the issues that 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 affect uh, their their local community that that range from um, you know the health and well being through to uh, educational needs to to uh, even even uh, community infrastructure um, and the you know the broad spectrum and to see that in interconnectedness that that, that lies there, um, but. Uh, there is a risk. There is a risk. Um, uh, I, I remember uh, in the nineties, um, in in the Community Foundation in in Northern Ireland, it was faced with a dilemma um, of becoming uh, an intermediary for a, a significant proportion of the European Union peace program in Northern Ireland after the ceasefires and the agreement a lot a lot of money was in, invested in, in building peace in Northern Ireland and there was significant debate within the, the community foundation as to whether it should take take this money become an intermediary for public monies um, uh, and it was going to increase its grant making capacity really substantially like by about 30 fold you know huge increase in its in its grant making capacity and there was the debate around um are we going to lose our independence by having this effectively a very significant donor as as, as such um uh, or are we in the best placed organization to use these resources um and uh, it decided to to go for it and um i think it uh it certainly used the resources better than any public body could have done. Uh, it got reached deep into communities. It was addressed issues that no public body could possibly have, have done. But it took a huge uh, amount of uh, resources within the organization to be able to manage that, which perhaps um, you know put it off track a little bit in terms of uh, trying to develop its its role elsewhere as a uh, as a community foundation, cause neutral, addressing a wide range of issues, engaging people, having donor advised funds, raising money around um, uh, uh, strategic issues that it wanted to address, and so on, and kind of became recognised as a peace building organisation, um, and uh, that that could have been the flavor for some donors, but it certainly wasn't for others.
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating example uh, in Northern Ireland and the role the Community Foundation played there. I'm, I'm aware I'm in danger of keeping you uh, altogether too long this morning, James. I had two two more questions that follow on um, neatly from, from what you were talking about there, and I'll try and roll them into one. I guess the first was, you know, we're talking about infrastructure and the idea of community foundations as a particular element within infrastructure, but obviously there are kind of wider elements. So my first question is, what what to your mind are some of those other bits of necessary infrastructure that either sit alongside community foundations or you know on a layer on top of them so the sort of infrastructure for bits of infrastructure like community foundations and then my the second part of the question is you know you're making a really good case there or good point about not seeing the sole role of this kind of infrastructure as being about you know transactional things and just dis- distributing money but when it comes to those wider elements of the value of uh, infrastructure like community foundations such as you know acting as community anchors and having deep knowledge and trusted relationships how how do you fund that over the longer term and continue to make the case for it so that people invest in it so that the next time we find ourselves facing a crisis, we don't suddenly have to scrap around and realise that we have to to sort of build it up again from from if not from scratch from a level lower than it should be. Yeah, it's 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 always a challenge, and the layers the layers of infrastructure that are there from the uh, community infrastructure through to the foundation infrastructure through to the then the, the the networks and associations and then above that the the networks of networks like Daphne and Pex and 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 so on and I know of course that there's there's been there's always criticism of you know is there is there too much uh, infrastructure is the infrastructure necessary is that uh, a, a valuable use of resource when you're trying to get get the money directly to to where where it's needed um but uh you know each 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 at each level has to make its make its own case for how it adds value uh and certainly community foundations um as i've said before make their case that they are not simply a local um atm you know they're not just another another source of money that they add value because they are conveners because they are connectors because they have knowledge uh, they have um, a relationship with both donors and with the community and with the public uh, relevant public bodies and other trusts and foundations that have an interest in in that area so they can really add value and do something different so i think that's where the case is made for infrastructure of for community foundations um and they they resource that through through various means whether that is uh, through effectively a you know a, a levy from from donors in terms of the management of uh, of the funds or indeed uh, grants uh, to support that uh, and various other uh, activities some are even involved in sort of uh, social economy type type activities to help support the core uh, of of the organization but i think it's also interesting to look at infrastructure at the the levels um uh, above that and and what they they offer and how the community from my perspective the community foundation movement fits in with and, and connects with that if you look at the uk something like uh, an entity like like uk cf which 
um, uh, as the membership body for community foundations in, in, in the UK, more often, I mean, is not seen. It sits in the background. It's known by the uh, by community foundations, of course, but uh, not necessarily widely known for, further afield. Um, but quietly gets on in the background, uh, supporting the the field um, and supporting the field in various ways. And that and and one which has clearly come out uh, very significantly and has brought UKCF more into into the limelight is as a um, uh, as a as a connector to something like a national appeal now this isn't the first time uh, this has been done but it's the first time with such high high profile um ukcf has has managed funds for uh, the big lottery for comic relief and used the 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 network of the 46 community foundations to be able to then uh, bring those resources to local level and deploy those resource resources as best is appropriate at at local level so so they they've they've uh, added value in, in in that way by being able to connect into national um programs but on top of that, I mean, UKCF has done work around uh, standards, uh, good governance, for example, good grant making practice, uh, helps helps develop the field. I mean, there's churn there's in, 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 the, in the community foundation field of both staff and of trustees and, and uh, support is needed to ensure that there's a certain professionalism and capability that uh, that is developed so that so they offer that and they also then uh, advocate on behalf of the uh, of the uh, community foundation field as does ACF in terms of the operating environment for uh, philanthropy and, and and for foundations so so those are important important roles that that, that um, infrastructure organizations play and as I said often often unseen and this is a bit of a a challenge for all infrastructure uh, organizations. Um, and as you go higher, I think the challenge be, uh, become, becomes even greater when you get to the likes of ECFI or Daphne um, in, in Europe, which are Daphne as a network of networks um, uh, around Europe. The, it, it's it's um, a challenge to, to, to make the case. And, and this has been something that uh, uh, even at global level, Wings has 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 been has been working on uh, in in how how to better make the case for supporting infrastructure, um, and and I think uh, it, it always boils down to um, where is the added value and being able to articulate what that added value for the field is, uh, whether it's around. Um, uh, improving capacity, building capacity, whether it's around uh, the advocacy work, whether it's uh, data and, and research um, that is conducted in, in the field or communications within the field and, and beyond. If added value can be appropriately articulated, demonstrated, then the case can be made for resources. Um, Infrastructure organizations cannot afford to be complacent in any way to uh, expect resources to come to them just because 
they are they are there they have to adapt and be dynamic enough and always prove that the the value added is there and then either their members if they're membership based organizations will respond to that and will recognize it or other donors uh, will 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 support that because they see the, what what uh, what value is being added in into the field yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a great note on on which to leave it. I think this this question around what is the the value of infrastructure and how do you make the case for having exactly you know, the right enough infrastructure but not too much and making sure it's focusing on uh, on the right things is is a kind of big issue. I think facing um, you know, philanthropy and people who are kind of interested in in developing philanthropy across Europe and and elsewhere. Certainly, as we go through the the kind of post COVID phase so it'll be very interesting to see how that conversation develops um it just remains to say thanks ever so much james for finding the time to come on the podcast it's been a pleasure having a chance to chat to you um and certainly you know um i'll leave open the possibility that further down the line maybe we can uh, twist your arm and convince you to come back on and sort of pick up on some of these things in a bit more detail yeah uh, thank you rory it's been a been a pleasure Okay, great. Well, my thanks again to James for uh, finding the time to come on the podcast. And I should say, actually, after we turn the microphone off, James and I continue to talk for, uh, I think, almost another hour about various other things. And we could have quite easily filled another podcast. So maybe I will uh, try to get him on again for a part two. Um, If you are interested in any of the things we were saying, I'll put some links in the show notes you can follow. Um, If you want to read some more about philanthropy and civil society and all kinds of different aspects of it, do check out the Giving Thought pages at the CAF website where we've got loads of content on this publications podcast video and lots of other things um if you want to find out more in a slightly more flippant way do follow me on twitter at rodri underscore h underscore davis or at for literacy if you want my uh, uh twitter feed that focuses more on kind of academic and historical stuff about philanthropy um if you've got an idea for things we could do here on the podcast or people i could interview drop me a line at giving thought at cafonline.org other than that, just like, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, give us a nice review uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.